he invited me to hike Utah's three tallest peaks mm -hmm. in one day. In a day. Mm -hmm. And and I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Like, I, I love to climb mountains. All of those three mountains are all connected, kind of in a, a similar ridge line. And okay. Um, and and he, and so we're driving out there, and he says, oh, by the way, there will be a journalist and a photographer from the Deseret News joining us because nobody's ever done this before. And I'm like, okay, well, didn't know that, but that's fine, whatever. I don't care. I just want to climb some mountains. And so we get out there and it turns out we, we had an advanced base camp. We didn't do it from the car. So we had this kind of advanced base camp at Dollar Lake. We all set out the four of us to, to do this thing. And me and the photographer were the only two to finish. And mm -hmm. as is often the case in journalism, photographers do not want to be mentioned in a byline. They don't want to be part of the story. They are just the eye behind the lens. So needless to say, the Deseret Ru News runs a three-page, three-page, full-color, full-page article on me doing this thing that they coined the Utah Triple Crown. This is your host, Brendan. And you're listening to the Ordinary to Ultra podcast. Each episode, I bring in an ultra runner and ask them about their journey to their first ultra marathon or their first time running a new ultra distance. We'll dive into why they started running in the first place, why they decided to run an ultra, the obstacles they encountered, and what it took to get to the finish line and beyond. Hey, Craig, thanks for being here today, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, happy to be here. Sweet, man. Um, I'm curious, what have you been doing in the mountains lately? I know uh, it's been snowing a lot here in Utah, but uh, so you might not be running, but I don't know. What do you? What oh, do you no, no, no. Running season doesn't end when the snow yeah? comes. Oh, good. You just, you just have different <laughs> attire. I mean, what, a week ago, a week ago, I was on, week and a half, well, a week ago, I was on Catalina Island running a 50K in California. That's a whole other thing, which oh, did not involve snow. But yeah. the, week before, <laughs> no. the, week, the, week, the week before that, I was on Mount Olympus, um, you know, and I climbed Mount Olympus trudging through the snow. And the day before that, I was skiing. So uh, yeah, mountain what, season never stops when you live in the Wasatch. That's a nice thing. When you say you went up Mount Olympus, did you were you backcountry skiing that day or were you actually like going up? Yeah, like hiking, running. running. Yeah, sick. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a regular cadence this time of year, uh, because yeah. it gets tracked out so fast hmm. that you can you can. It's one of the bigger mountains. It's four thousand feet of gain in four miles, and and you can, you know, the fact that it gets tracked out usually within twenty four hours of a big storm, um, you can still get in some good miles and a bunch of vert. So that's sick. Uh, sick man um yeah there's been some good skiing lately and some good running um i've got a marathon in two weeks here so i'm also just getting out there even though it was snowing pretty good today yeah good for yeah, you where you where is the do. marathon <clears throat> doing the sun marathon it's down in saint george area southern utah okay. um yeah but not quite saint george it's a uh, santa clara it's just uh north west i think of yeah, I know, george. santa clara yeah. 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 There you go. 
That's so yeah, cool. that'll be fun. For um, you. thank you. So I'd like to go into your past now, Craig. I'm, I'd like to know what got you running in the first place. Yeah, so that's an interesting story because uh, I hated running my entire life. Unless I had a ball in my hand, the idea yeah. the idea of running was abhorrent to me. Hmm. And when I was 36 years old, my wife had been pushing me for a while that I needed to run to get cardio because she liked to run and that was her way of in, in maintaining her cardio. And I was like, "You're, what are you talking about? Like, I'm a religious rock climber. I would train six days a week at, at that time. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and then I was climbing one to two mountains a month. And I'm like, I think my cardio is pretty good. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, no, you know, you're getting old. It's like, that's 36. <laughs> don't tell no. me I'm getting old. <laughs> um, that's terrible. Yeah. So I, I, I went out for a run. And yeah, this is kind of amazing, actually. Uh, I went out for a run and I hated it. It was horrible. Just ran three miles on the road, thought I was going to die. And my brother gave me some of the best advice I ever heard. He said, when you can run three miles without feeling like you're going to die, you'll start to love running. And when you Mm. can run, when you can run six miles, you'll be addicted. And, and he cool. was spot on. I hit that six mile mark and I was like, I'm in. At the same time, I was dabbling in this idea of like trail running just because I live on the Wasatch Front in Salt Lake City. And there's it's so accessible. And I, I was already connected to the mountains through rock climbing and mountain biking and skiing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I was spending a lot of time on the trails and I had a, a friend approached me. This was in 2008. And he said, hey, let's go, let's go hike King's Peak, tallest mountain in Utah, 13,528 feet. Let's hike King's Peak and back in a day, which if you do that, it's a marathon. If you take, there's a certain route, it is actually 26.2 miles. It's insane. Yeah, it's amazing. And we, and so we hiked it um, thinking like we were amazing. Because we had done this, this like thing in a day that most people do over three days. I mean, don't get me wrong. It took us 13 and a half hours. It was a death march for the last six to seven miles. It was horrible. Uh, <laughs> and we got back to the trailhead and there was a, there was a trail register there. And in the register, uh, we had been looking to see how many other people had done this in, you know, adventure in a day. And we came across the name of this guy and his name was no lie, Davy Crockett. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. And all it said in there was, uh, Davy Crockett completed the Utah triple crown. Um, I'm going to give you way more backstory than you want to hear. Completed the Utah Triple Crown, car to car, um, 38 miles in like, I don't know, he did in like 12 hours. And I'm thinking, first of all, this is really weird 
because <laughs> um and the, what I I immediately knew what the Utah Triple Crown was. Yeah, what? Well, this is this is the backstory you probably didn't want to hear. Um, <laughs> in in two thousand and one, no, maybe two thousand and two or two thousand and three. My my one of my closest friends at the time, who was still one of my closest friends and running partner and running buddy, and we have done more adventures than I could ever talk about Scott Wiesman. Uh, he invited me to attempt. This is again, 2000. Let's just go with 2003. He, he invited me to hike Utah's three tallest peaks mm -hmm. in one day. In a day. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in like, I, I love to climb mountains. All of those three mountains are all connected kind of in a, a similar ridge line. And, okay. um, and, and, he, and so we're driving out there and he says, Oh, by the way, there will be a journalist and a photographer from the Deseret News joining us because nobody's ever done this before. And I'm like, okay, well, didn't know that, but that's fine, whatever. I don't care. I just want to climb some mountains. And so mm -hmm. we get out there and it turns out we, we had an advanced base camp. We didn't do it from the car. So we had this kind of advanced base camp at Dollar Lake. We all set out, the four of us, to, to do this thing. And me and the photographer we're the only two to finish. And mm -hmm. as is often the case in journalism, photographers do not want to be mentioned in a byline. They don't want to be part of the story. They are just the eye behind the lens. So needless to say, the Deseret Ru News runs a three-page, three-page, full-color, full-page article on me doing this thing that they coined the Utah Triple Crown. I still have the, I still have, I still have the newspaper. And then, no, this, you know what, not, this was in 2001. Fast forward eight years, seven years, and I have forgotten all about this. Yeah. Like, had, like, had, had, didn't even know. Little, little did I know that in the, in the, you know, the peak bagging and, and hiking circles, this quote unquote Utah triple crown had become a buzzword that people were talking about and were super interested in. I had no clue because huh. I didn't care. I was just like, cool day in the mountains. Mm -hmm. um, and then to find out this character, Davy Crockett, yeah, it did it car to car. So he won up me. Yeah. Um, okay. And, in, in roughly the same amount of time, but instead of, you know, my, my route was maybe like, 10, 12 miles. His was 38, you know, yeah. and, and, and he did it in the same amount of time and he ran most of it. And so okay. I'm a dabbling, it's now 2008. I'm a dabbling runner. I got this crazy dude, Davy Crockett, who does this on his 50th birthday. And I, you know, like any normal, you know, responsible adult, I internet stalked him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I will find you, Davy Crockett. I did. I found his blog. I found his okay. blog and messaged him because he had done a write up on this, mm -hmm. on this, you know, him doing the Triple Crown. I messaged him, I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm the guy. And he even like linked to my Deseret News article on the website. And I'm just like, my mind's blown. 
And so I reach out to him like, hey, man, that's me. Like, I'm the guy in that article. What you did is insane. And he responds. He's like, hey, that's awesome. We should go for a run. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I run like six miles on the road. (laughs) (laughs) I'm stalking your blog. You run 100 mile race. And, and, and that was it. Like that was, that was, um, September, 2008. I got injured. Like I got sick. I, I had to start all over again, January, 2009. So that's where I say my running career started was in 2009. Okay. Uh, and he became my running mentor. Okay. And he, I ran my first ultra marathon with him, which was an adventure run. It wasn't even a race. Um, okay. And, and to this day, he's a very good friend and he makes wow. everything that we will talk about tonight pales in comparison to what he has accomplished. <laughs> guys, the guy's done 100, 100 mile races or runs. Okay. So you're telling me I need to get Davy Crockett on here yeah. in the next few months. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll connect you. I mean, the guy's, the guy's amazing. He also has written. That's so cool. He, he has his own podcast, uh, which is called The History of Ultra Running. Oh, and he's, cool. out, he's wow. written three books on it. They're just nice. short books that you can get on Amazon. And it's The History of Ultra Running. And it's amazing. He's a historian at heart. He's also the race director of the Pony Express 150-mile race. And he's, he's also written three books on the, Pony Ex- the history of the Pony Express Trail. That is so cool. And you met this guy because he won up to you in that triple crown. Yeah. And then you, you reached out to him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Straight up stalked him. (laughs) And he became, that is such a cool story. And now he's Um, like, now he's a great friend. He's one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. And, uh, and, and he, it truly is my running mentor. He taught me everything. Is he in Utah? Yeah. Lives in Saratoga Springs. Saratoga Springs. Yep. Uh, yeah, all Salt Lake area. That is that is super cool. So that was the beginning. I mean, the beginning was you started running three miles and you eventually stopped hating that. And then you started loving running six miles. And then, I mean, when was your first race did you uh, did you do races back in these days or was it a lot of this adventure run um just going out and having fun with your friends like what what were you doing more of it was a little bit of both my first official race was a local event in kind of the utah valley provo area it was Uh a 10k and that was the first time I ever met Davy Crockett in person. He just happened mm-hmm. to be there. I didn't even know. So I ran a 10K, and then I ran the Salt Lake City Half Marathon uh, two months later. And then a month and a half after that, I ran a 50K around a mountain west of Utah Lake with Davy Crockett. I had never run over 22 miles at that point. And I'm like, hey, I, I just I want to like do my own marathon. And Davy's like, forget a marathon, let's run an ultra. So I did. <laughs> it was a train wreck. And that was in July of 2009. And in uh, in September, 
I ran the top of Utah Marathon. It's my first road marathon. It's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, I would love to do it again because it was also I my IT band blew up. Um, oh, and so I, I was like hobbled in the last, I had, a, I had a, I, I ran what I felt like was a quite a good time, all things considered. And then in October of that year, I ran the Pony Express 50 mile race. And that's, I went from, I went from essentially three miles in a run to 50 miles in a run in 10 months. 10 months. And then, wow. and then spent the next two months injured with a, <laughs> with a blown up IT band and had to i had to re this is an interesting thing i had to learn how to run Mm. and i think what people don't realize in running is it is not just grab a pair of shoes and start clomping around out on the road or a trail like if which you can do and you will inevitably get hurt if you want to run and run for years and run really far there are mechanics involved that you need to learn, practice, and dial in to the point that they become second nature to you. And so I invested I invested about two to three months of energy into learning how to run properly. Um, and by since January of 2010, I've never been injured from running, ever. Ooh. So... What is it? What, uh, I, there's tons of things I imagine, you know, there's lots of little mechanical things that you can fix sure. with running, but, uh, maybe what would some of those main ones be if you were to hone in on a few? I, I, I mean, I'll tell you this you're going to get a lot. Of, if you ask that question to a lot of different people, so called yeah. experts, okay, about 75% of them will talk about foot strike. Heel strike, mm-hmm. midfoot, forefoot. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter. None of your, your, Foot strike is irrelevant to your running health. Everything about your running health is from your hips to your shoulders. If your hips are pushed forward and they're in alignment with your back and your shoulders are pulled back and you have good posture, what you're doing at your feet, they'll be fine. Hmm. So it, it's all, it's hips to shoulders. That's, that's my take. Proper a posture yeah and when we get tired that what's the first thing that breaks down our posture we start to slump we lean yeah. over uh-huh. right we don't our shoulders aren't held back we start to cave in on our chest we can't breathe as well and that's when your hips lock huh. up that seems pretty accurate to my uh my long runs <laughs> yeah that's cool. So okay. In those moments, in those, in those, as you prepare for this marathon, uh-huh. there will be that moment where you're like, I'm shredded, like I'm done. Yep. Just, I mean, you're not done, but your body's like, I'm over it. Mm-hmm. If you focus on your form from your hips to your shoulders, you'll be shocked at how much longer you can push, even at pace. That is great advice. You have to get uh, more into that and other yeah tips for good running running form as well foot strike doesn't matter but uh yeah i mean your garmin i've got a garmin watch it'll measure all sorts of stuff that i don't really know what to do with yet because i haven't put time into it but like does it matter uh yeah how much you're pushing off like up like should i be worried about that if i'm like launching myself up into the air more instead of like 
forward and wasting energy and an upward motion like yeah so i don't here's know if you yeah 100 like I, I know all everything you're talking about yeah if your hips are forward if your shoulders are back if you're maintaining a good posture you will already be in that forward kind of leaning position where your thrust is upwards and forwards, no matter what because your your body positioning's right and so that's that's where i'm saying it's the key so when you when when any anybody is talking about you know maintaining forward momentum or upward thrust they're really talking about body position and maintaining a good form in running i once had a guy cuz we we would we would back in the day i was all like has to be a midfoot or forefoot striker if you want to be a great like I, I was on that bandwagon for a long time not realizing that it was flawed and i had a friend who argued with me and he said well you can't do that for 100 miles and i'm like watch me <laughs> and 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 i can do it for 100 miles like easily but it's actually the reason i can do it is because i'm focusing on my hips to my shoulders and my natural my natural running form is a is a kind of a more of a midfoot forefoot strike. But my I, again my closest friend and, and running partner Scott Weisman is a heel striker, and yet guy's never really been injured either because he has huh. invested that energy into to knowing how to run from from hips to shoulders, and we have very from from the hips down we're very different, and yet we're both huh. we've both been healthy runners and and he's run I don't know he's run. 15 plus hundred miles and like mile races and stuff like that too. Yeah. Like the guy's a machine. So plenty. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you for that. I'm going to have to look more into that and maybe y'all will too, who are listening. Um, so getting back into, into your story, um, you did this, you know, this King peak Kings peak thing. You did a 50 K to um, as was that your first, that was your first official ultra marathon yeah. that you you'd run. Um, so let's talk about this off the, uh, the podcast we were talking about there's adventure running and you've done a lot of adventure runs in your career. And then there's like official uh, ultra marathon races that are put on by, you know, a, a person or, or an organization and, you know, they do medals and all that stuff and they have eight stations and whatever. Um, will you talk about, uh, adventure running for a little bit for anyone on this uh, podcast who maybe doesn't know what that specifically means? Um, and maybe talk about a couple of your favorite adventure runs. So the difference between adventure running and racing is the organizational factor of it. Obviously there's a lot of races I like doing. I mean, I have a whole plaque full of, you know, metals and finisher buckles behind me I, my preference though is to just grab a map pick out cool trails in some national park or you know forest service land the desert that appeals to me at a distance that i want to run and i create a route and i go run it and and oftentimes it, it can be anything from fully supported with a crew vehicle to 100% unsupported uh, 
where you're just carrying all of your own food and you, you know, all of your water and you have a water filter maybe, and you just kind of head off into the abyss and, you know, with a map on your watch or on your phone and hope you don't get lost, uh, which, you know, is a real thing. And, and I think what, there's a couple of things that appeal to me about adventure running. Um, over ultra running over well over racing racing um number one there isn't the pressure of competition yeah the only and this is going to sound extreme i don't mean it to be but the the only competition there is is not dying yeah (laughs) because in a lot of cases in a lot of situations that i've been in nobody's coming to save me if i you know if i get hurt um, or, you know, if I, if I'm out there and I break an ankle and I'm alone, that I search and rescue is not showing up because I don't have cell service. I'm in the middle of nowhere. You know, I could be in the middle of the wind rivers or the Sierra Nevada. I could be in the deserts of Southern Utah. Like, there's no cell service out there. And even if somebody, even if, you know, your my wife calls and says, oh, my husband is lost. You don't know how long it's going to be. I mean, there's story after story of that. And so Mm -hmm. I think one of the things that draws me to it is the challenge of doing things. It's my, it's, it's a a challenge against nature um, and the distance at the same time. So you're pushing, you're pushing your body to the limit, running distances that the body isn't overly psyched about doing. And you're doing it in a space that's more interested in killing you than keeping you alive. <laughs> Nature. And, and you'd so say cool. Yeah, that is cool. That is a cool distinction. Yeah, the lack of uh, aid stations and p- other people running that could, you know, call for help. Um, do you usually do these adventure runs solo, or I don't know how often do you go with a buddy? Honestly, I, I probably go with friends um, more than I go alone. I've done a lot. I've done a lot alone where I'll, I'll literally just pick a route on a map and I'll hop in my car and then drive to the trailhead and, um, you know, run for eight to 12 hours and then, you know, sleep in my car and then come home the next morning. Like I've done that yeah. more times than I can count. I, I do prefer going with, um, my friend Scott and or my brother Brent, who is also a great runner, and you know, and and I don't do it for safety. I do it because I just like hanging out with my friends. Right. Yeah, it's fun. And why you know why not share this amazing space that we live in with the people right. that you really care about? So, and you typically do these over like you know a flat like on a Saturday Sunday sort of deal over a weekend, like because you're working during the week or. Yeah. Yeah. I've been known to day, I've been known to day trip, drive for five hours to run for six hours and then drive home. Like that's it's not a smart thing, but I've done it. Uh, Cause I've, you know, I've got a family, I've got a wife and four kids. I've got a full-time job. I manage a social media platform of thousands of people and um, life's busy. And yeah, like I'm trying to think, how do you do this? <laughs> how do you get this, uh, get the time to 
go travel these to other states even and, and do these runs. But I mean, if you cram it in a weekend and a Saturday, Sunday, like you can make it happen, I guess. Yeah, I, it's it's really just about what do you want to accomplish and how are you going to pull it off? It's not, you know, I work for a very small company. There's only four of us in the whole company. We're a consulting firm. And so if, if I want to plan an adventure run that requires me to drive to Colorado or California or Wyoming, it's really easy for me to just take a Friday off. I just, I just plan it in advance because I manage my own schedule. And then, you know, I just, I grab one or two people that I want to go with and we hop in the car on a Thursday night and we pull up to whatever camp spot we're going to hunker down in for the next four hours. And then we start running on Friday morning after like four hours of sleep. And, <laughs> oh my goodness. And sometimes we run from Friday to Saturday. So it's, you know, and then you're home Saturday night so that you can have a day with the family before you got to get back to the work, back to work and things like that. Yeah. How we, right. It's just how we operate. Um, I, I, I had this dream for a long time um, of climbing Mount Rainier. Which oh, is, yes. Yeah, which is amazing. Mount Rainier's yeah. iconic mountain. And yeah, uh, Washington. Yeah. And I've always wanted to climb Mount Hood and all you know, all of these like cool things. And three years ago, my friend Sam and my friend Scott all we got together and we we're like, what's a cool adventure we could do? Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, let's go climb Mount Rainier. And then of course, as guys often do, not I wouldn't even say guys, as people often do, as adventurers often yeah do. there you go <laughs> we i got it's not, not a gender thing at all it's just adventure right. often right. do they they start they get together and then all of a sudden this singular idea explodes and we were like well, great you know what hey let's do this let's go let's go knock out rainier in a day instead of the normal two to three days let's do rainier in a day we'll hop in the car we'll drive down to mount adams we'll climb mount adams and then we'll immediately get in the car and we'll drive down and do Mount Hood. And let's go climb three of the most iconic volcanoes in the Pacific Northwest in four days. Ooh. Yeah, okay, let's try it. So we were away from home for five days total. And, and we pulled it off. We climbed three of the most iconic volcanoes in, in the Pacific Northwest in four days. <laughs> That is so we had sick. we had to put a travel day in there from Rainier to Adams. Uh -huh. We needed a travel day, but other than that, we were we went back to back. And so it's just that's that's kind of how this whole idea of adventure running comes up. It's some some are very fixed. Uh, the the most common one that people, that resonates with people is rim to rim to rim in the Grand Canyon. Yes, I've heard of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like that's um, and it's iconic. It's amazing. Shockingly, I've never done it. Um, because I can't seem to drive past Zion. I love Zion <laughs> National Park. It's my favorite place on the planet. And I'm like, you know, I'm like driving. I'm a like, squirrel. There's Zion. I'm just going to go right to the <laughs> Zion instead. Yeah. So, um, I've hiked the Grand Canyon years ago, but I've never done the rim to rim to rim run. Is How long is rim to rim rim? It's either 42 or 48 miles, depending on which route you take. But, but here's what differentiates um, Rim to Rim to Rim is an iconic, amazing adventure run. It's very challenging. You end 
no matter where you start, when you cross the canyon and come back, you're ending with a 4,000 foot climb. Doesn't matter what, how yeah, you that's right. that. Yeah, and it's hard getting out of the canyon. <laughs> However, there's water everywhere, piped water. Like you don't even need to take a filter if you don't want to to the Grand Canyon. And and in the bottom of it, if you time it right, you get to Phantom Ranch and you can buy a lemonade and snacks. And you can get to, you know, the South Rim and there's a hotel with a restaurant if you want to take, you know, at an hour, you can just eat at a restaurant and then cruise back across. And and so it's it's amazing. Like I don't want to take anything away from how amazing it is, but it's it's in some ways kind of an introductory level into adventure running because there's so many ways to number one stay safe, stay hydrated, stay fed. Um, and then when you've done that, it's kind of easier to say, well, now I'm going to go tackle something more challenging where there's less, you know, maybe there isn't as much water or there isn't that support. You know, you get you get caught in the backcountry of Zion. If you're on like the West Rim Trail out by Potato Hollow and you run out of water, like nobody's coming to help you and there's nowhere to fill up. It's the desert. <laughs> you're just you're you're cooked. And so there's there's just that differentiation and, and it takes practice and time and learning to to figure out how to do it right. Yeah. That's a cool trail too. The uh, what, it, what what's the tr the fifty mile trail called in Zion's? So they call it the Zion Traverse. Yes, that one. Yeah. So the Zion Traverse, I should clarify, no longer exists in its in its original form. Um, in two thousand and eighteen, I believe, Rockfall uh -huh. took out the. East Rim Trail at Weeping Rock, um, which then they had more rock fall just this year. Yeah, and I saw that. They have no intention of ever repairing it until all of the rock has fallen because National Park's approach is we don't force it. Nature's going to do its thing. We're simply here to, to bear witness to it and to respect it. And until the remaining features of rock that are loosely hanging up there fall naturally, huh. they're, they're not going to rebuild the trail. So the current the design traverse that exists today in its current form is 37 miles instead of yeah. 49 and a half. Yeah. But I've done, I've done in one form or another, I've done the full 50 miles I traverse nine times. Wow. That's fun. Man, I think it'd be really fun to do these with, with a buddy. Like I'm trying to, I'm thinking, scouring my brain right now. Like what other insane person lives near me or can I get to go with me to do some of this fun stuff? Uh, it seems yeah, really I mean, fun. I, I feel very lucky because I can, um, you know, I could count on two hands. I could call, I could call any one of 10 people right now and they would join me on something like the Zion Traverse. I just got to hit your Facebook group. Do it. They, like, it there's people, <laughs> they plan, they plan fun runs um, down to Zion. They plan like group runs down there. We, we used to do it where we would go, I've done this a number of times, where we would, there would be two groups of us and we would start on opposite ends of the park at the same time. 
and we would pass each other, trade keys, uh, <laughs> and then you would go out, drive the other person's car around, and we'd meet at Oscars in Spring in Springdale, and we'd yeah. you, we'd eat burgers and uh, reminisce <laughs> about our adventures. Done that a few times. That is so fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love the ideas and the adventure that you're sharing here. Uh, this is uh, hopefully this is getting other people's. <laughs> cogs turning too. like what other fun things that I could just well, come up with myself and just do it's worth adding it's worth adding this um, it doesn't have to be some grand 50 mile 100 mile adventure it, it can right. be you know you, maybe you had planned to go do a half marathon at Disneyland and for some reason running with 5,000 other people isn't appealing to you right then cool you can go map out a third I I, I could come up with a 13-mile route in Bryce Canyon National Park in a heartbeat. You you get your half marathon, but you're also seeing one of the most spectacular places on Earth. And it doesn't involve a mouth, at least not the kind that they have there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just little, uh, yeah, desert mice, yeah. Way so some, you know, sometimes different. adventure running is just, it, it's a trail run, that becomes an adventure because it's someplace exotic and new. Yeah. And I think there's value in, in, in recognizing that, that, that can be just as fulfilling as doing something that like, you know, maybe nobody's ever done before or is a hundred miles long. It doesn't have to be that it can be 20 miles. It's just, if it's an adventure for you, it's an adventure run. Yeah, I love that. I mean, even in ultra running, for me, it's about racing myself. But even then, it's it's about completing it, and it's sort of a it's sort of about completing something, doing like the challenge. I don't know, but it seems like ultra or sorry, not ultra, but uh, adventure running. It, the purpose is solely the adventure and the fun of it which I, I think is really fun and intriguing. It just takes the all that uh, pressure off of it. And it's just a fun way to get in the mountains, which I think is why we all do ultra running anyways. We all love getting in the mountains. So like, let's just take, let's just take the, uh, the competition out of it. I, I think, I think it's fun to have both. I mean, there's, it's good to have both because it's fun to push yourself and do something hard where there's other people. Uh, but also just have those times where there's no pressure and just go have fun. Yeah. I mean, and there's, you know, there's, there's certain adventure runs that there is also that time aspect. I mean, that's why FKTs, you know, fastest known times is such a hot thing and has been for the last oh. five or so years. Yeah. And it's people who are doing adventure runs, but they're tackling the fastest times out there. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it has it has the competitive nature of a race, but it has the adventurous spirit of an adventure run. Yeah. What does FKT FKT mm -hmm. stand for? Fastest known time. Uh, okay. I have. So heard there's of this. there's two there's two terms: um, fastest known time and and FKT and OKT only known time. So if you're if you're a person who has done something that nobody else has ever done, it, it's an O OKT until somebody comes and does it, and then it's 
it becomes an FKT. Uh huh. Yeah, I've heard of uh, someone running the like tallest. I don't know, fourteen fourteeners or something in Colorado, or it was or the you know the highest fourteeners in Colorado in like two days. Like, there's some crazy stuff out there. Yeah, yeah, like, they're every. I mean, they're everywhere. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a website called Fastest Known Time, and okay. it, it's a record of every. Every currently recorded route that has a notable time associated with it. Um, so like the one, you know, there's a, there's an FKT for all of the Colorado 14ers. There's an FKT for all of the California 14ers. There's mm -hmm. now an FKT for all of the Utah 13ers, mm -hmm. which by the way, for anybody out there listening to this who wants to do like the California and Colorado 14ers are cool, but they don't compare to the Utah 13ers. And the reason is, is there's, there's the Utah 13ers are all connected. There's 21 of them. They're all connected in a single ridge line with, and, and not one of those peaks is within 10 miles of a road or a trailhead. It is the most remote, extreme adventure. There's only been four people who have ever done it. And it's, uh, yeah, like, so there's, there's, there's FKTs for everything all over the place. Are you, are you one of those four people, Craig? I am not. Oh, I, am, okay. I will tell you this, the idea <laughs> to do it, I, I will say, I think I was one of the first people to come up with the idea. And I attempted it, and the partner I was doing it with got altitude sick, and we had to bail. Um, and I posted that on a website, I think. And then these two other people, uh, actually brothers, the, the, the DeRay brothers, who are animals, went out, and they were like, wow, that sounds really cool. And they actually contacted me. They were like, hey, do you mind if we try it? And I'm like, no, go nuts. Like, somebody needs to do this. And they crushed it. They, I mean, it brutal it took them like 63 hours or something oh my god maybe not maybe not maybe it was like 30 38 hours it's a long time it's it's, it's a either way wildly difficult route yeah craig what uh i want to hear about a specific adventure run of yours um you've had lots and i'm making you pick one <laughs> but i need to hear about a fun uh, interesting story regarding one of your adventure runs. There's a there's a bunch I could pick. Um, <laughs> I'll give you a sec. I'm, I well, I think I'm going to pick the one. This this is the most. This sounds weird. This is a very tame adventure run because we had a full crew car supporting us. Okay. Um, but I would say maybe my my one of my favorite adventure runs was um just a couple of years ago my brother for his 50th birthday wanted to run a 100 mile race his only one he had ever attempted and so I, and he doesn't like racing at all so i said sweet let's go do um let's go do the white rim in canyonlands national park it is a 100 mile route that's a, a jeep trail that circumnavigates the Island in the sky district of Canyonland. Um, I had, I had run it uh, a few years before. So I was familiar with the route. We had a, 
Um, and so it was my brother and I and our friend Scott, who I've already mentioned. Um, and we were crewed by my mom and stepdad. And so it was just this like really cool experience. It was hard. It was not the best weather. It was really windy. Um, we had to push through a lot of like tough, um, you know, just physical challenges of feeling sick and dehydrated, you know, your typical hundred mile stuff. But being able to finish that with my brother um, and having my my stepdad there with my mom to crew us, this was in May and my stepdad passed away suddenly the, in September, just a few months later. And so if I think about like my favorite adventure run, that probably qualifies as the one that stands out the most, just because it's something I got to do with my brother, who's my best friend and, and somebody I'm closest to in this world. And it's also an experience I got to share with my stepdad before he passed away. And so that, that one has probably the most meaning for me of any that I've done. That is really cool. It's cool that your brother will run with you too. You got family going with you. Ben. Yeah, I don't like talking about him because, like, now he's like a better runner than me. At least, oh, up shoot. To like, at least up to like fifty k, he's better than me, and he's older, <laughs> and it just bugs me now. So, we can, if you want, we can trash talk him for a while. That <laughs> this is your older brother. Yeah, yeah, he, uh, he's like a year and a half older. Oh shoot! The rivalry. Yeah. He's such, yeah, he's actually at a shorter distance. Um, anything from like 50K down, he'll, he's faster than me for sure. Yeah. I just know how to suffer longer. Yeah. It's different. It's uh, way different what it takes to get to those shorter <laughs> marathon. 50K is still long, but shorter uh, long distance runs versus like a hundred miler. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. Marathons are hard. You you're you're out there to run fast. The whole point, and and that alone makes it incredibly difficult. And so you know, I don't care if I've run a bunch of hundred milers or not. I still have so much respect for anybody who runs the marathon distance because that's a whole level of suffering that you don't experience in a hundred mile race. For at least for those of us who aren't racing at the at the front, you know, the top. You, you right. Know, and to take a much more casual approach. Yeah, there's that pressure. My uh, my Garmin says. Let me look right now. It'll it'll tell me what it thinks I should run my marathon in two in two weeks. It tells me how fast I, it thinks I should go. What's it telling you? Uh, let's see. I okay. Sun Marathon. It thinks I could run it in three hours and 52 minutes, which is uh, just under like a nine minute mile consistently, I think. Probably like 850. I don't know. Uh, but doing that for 26 miles is is long. It's long. Um, I yeah. did my 18 miler uh, trying to run a similar pace uh my 18 mile um training run for this race and man it was exhausting i didn't fuel as well as i could have so i think if i feel better i could probably feel better after you know maybe feel good enough to finish the the marathon at that pace but yeah it's i don't know but i really just since this is my first marathon i kind of want to 
I'm battling between like trying to do this, like, yeah, get under a four hour marathon or just doing it to say I did my first marathon and not care. I don't know if you, what advice would you give me, <laughs> Craig? <laughs> Tell me what oh, to do. I'm going to make so many enemies when I say, I'm going to make so many enemies when I say this. <laughs> because there's nothing I like hearing less in the running world. So this is what I like hearing the least. Okay. When people say my goal is to just finish. Okay. It's BS. No, it's not. That's not your goal. Your goal isn't to finish. It's, it's an assumed outcome. That's the whole purpose you signed up. Mm. If you didn't think you could finish, if you didn't have signed up. So finishing isn't finishing isn't a goal, it's an expectation. It's the whole reason you're there. So the goal has to be something else. The goal is something that pushes us, that motivates us to train. When I ran my first 100 miler, my goal wasn't to finish 100 miles. I knew from the moment I signed up for that race, I would run 100 miles. Never crossed my mind that I couldn't or wouldn't. I always had a time in mind that I wanted to accomplish. Whether I hit mm -hmm. the time or not wasn't as relevant as it. some people make it out to be. And so I have a hard time when people are like, I just want to finish. No, screw that. You don't just... You, that's an expectation. You are going to finish. Your marathon at Sun will be just fine. You will finish the race. So go ahead and set the time goal for yourself. Put it at three hours and 59 minutes. Why not? Shoot for the stars. And if you blow up, walk it in at 430. Mm -hmm. That's a fair point. Like I haven't run a marathon before, but if if the worst happened and I hit some crazy wall after running eight minute, 50 miles and I hit this crazy wall at 20 miles. Yeah. I, the worst is I still walk it in unless I like totally injure myself, but probably not going to happen. I'll... Yeah. I mean, there's, there's exceptions, right? Like you injure yourself. That's an exception. That's understandable. Yeah. Here's yeah. Yeah. Here's the one thing you have to understand. You're going to hit a wall. The right. wall will happen. The question mm -hmm. is, is what, what are you going to do when you hit the wall? Because I don't walk it in, period. I, I can't, I like walking to me is just more painful than a slow trot with, it's you true. Know, with walking breaks, walking breaks are fine. But like, I, I mean, I have friends who are like, I walked the last six miles in my marathon. No, if I have to walk the last six miles in my marathon, I'm going home. Like I didn't show up here to walk. And so I will shuffle. I will crawl, but for some reason, I'm like, I'm not going to walk for six miles. So, you know, walk, walk for a half mile and run for a half mile. And like, that's fine. All of it's fine. I don't care what you're, you know, there was a guy who went on a lecture tour for years that had a philosophy that he said, you could, you could do a run walk combination and do a sub four marathon. And that included, it included walking frequently. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> right, so is he running six minute miles and then walking? <laughs> well, I mean, you'd be surprised. Like, mm. like, like, think about it. <clears throat> let's say, let's say you're running an 830 pace for three quarters of a mile. And then you walk at a 16 minute pace for a quarter mile. You're only losing about a minute and a half. Maybe mm -hmm. like per mile because of the, the, the time of the walking. 
Yeah. Because you're only going to be you're only going to be walking for maybe six minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're, I mean, not even that. You're probably going to walk less. You're probably going to be less than that. A quarter mile. You're maybe going to be walking for like four minutes. Right. And so you just it just doesn't like it work. I don't. Again, I've never I've never tested the philosophy. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But Do like the math. I mean, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna hit the wall. So just know what's going to happen. And then you figure out how are you going to adapt? Either you can suffer and just keep pushing and maybe that risks an injury or maybe it just sucks. You just got to like get into the pain cave and enjoy the ride. We all do it. Whether you're a two, whether you're a two and a half hour marathon or a six hour marathon, everybody, everybody has the same experience and they're all equally respectable. You're right. It just matters what you do with it. Well, I'll let you know what I do. Oh yeah, I'm I'll, I'll, I'll try. I'll try sub four. Let's go. I mean, you don't. Have, I mean, look, I'm not telling you to run a sub four. You did. I'm not like if you want to run a four fifteen you, or a four thirty. made me. That's your thing, but <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if your watch, if your watch is telling you can you can run a three fifty eight, I'm telling you you can run like a three fifty. Yeah. It's it's at three fifty two. So, you know, let's not yeah, push it, Craig. Why not? I'm just going <laughs> to... Run a 352. Uh, no, yeah. If I can get under four, you know, that'd be incredible <clears throat> for a first marathon, especially. But we'll see. It's downhill. I mean, I feel like there's no excuse because I run uphill most of the time for my training runs. Um, they're not super steep, but it's usually a steady uphill. And it's and I usually run 10 minute, 10 minute 30 miles so it's like well if i'm running downhill the entire time i could probably do it nine minute miles uh, well and you're also going to be two thousand feet lower that's a good point i'm trying to figure out how to do the aid stations though because that means i need to run a little bit faster so that i could stop a time or two to probably get some more water around halfway water and definitely need to stop every once in a while to take some uh some energy of some sort. Uh, yeah, I'll figure it out. Make it happen. Probably, probably something you want to have locked and dialed in. Yeah, but probably. You know, <laughs> I've, yeah, I typically take a gel every thirty minutes, so that's yeah. what I'll, I'll stick to. That's yeah, good. Good move. Cool. Thanks for the advice, Craig. Sure. That's that's a. I think that's a worthy and cool take. <laughs> You're right. If we sign up for a race, we obviously in our brains expect that we could do it. That we probably could. could do it. We will. We will. You just will. You're gonna. You're going to finish. I mean, barring but like again, barring an injury, barring some you know astronomical weather event or something. Like you're gonna finish. That's why you signed up. I mean, I, I don't I don't buy a movie ticket to walk out with 15 minutes left. I did I did that recently. It was it was it was the saddest thing I ever had to do. Took took my boys to go see the uh, Taylor Swift Eras tour concert movie, and I like had to leave early to take my son to a birthday party, and I wanted to cry because that was amazing. I'm not going to do that at a race. <laughs> <laughs> like then why did you leave? Okay, birthday party. It wasn't my choice. I didn't want to leave. Happens. But I was going to make my son walk. So, <laughs> yeah. great comparison. <clears throat>
Oh, Craig, I'm going to have to ask you another question or two, some final words of wisdom, maybe. <clears throat> um, there's going to be, you know, a handful of folks on here that are pretty new, <clears throat> pretty new to maybe running in general or new to running really long distances in here. Um, I'm curious what your, if you were to pick like one tip, one advice to impart upon those people that are just thinking about getting into this and, uh, what, what would you tell them? Oh, that's a good question. There's so many different, so many different ways I could take this. Um, I'm going to say, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go with this one because this, this is one that has kept me in the sport and being in love with it for as long as I have, hmm. um, spend the time and energy learning and understanding what motivates and drives you to be out there. And I, and I say, I, 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 and this is why I say that. Um, I've spent months and years understanding what my own core values are. Um, one of them is, and you'll notice that I don't believe values can be embodied in a single word. Um, so you'll find that my values are statements. One of my values is that my uh, mental and emotional health is tied to physical activity. So being a 51-year-old guy who has a full-time job, full-time family, etc., if I want to make sure that my mental and emotional health is intact, I have to be actively engaged on a daily basis and sometimes that looks a lot like doing some push-ups and going for a 10-minute walk and sometimes that is you know skiing for you know backcountry skiing for a couple of hours and going for a 10-mile run like it, it every it's different so that's that's the first value the other value is that my spirituality is embedded in nature and so when I'm outside and I'm doing those things that keep my mind and body healthy, I'm also feeding my soul because I'm doing it in a space that connects me with my own spirituality, which is why I don't do well going to like a fitness gym. I have nothing against fitness gyms. I have nothing against them. I just can't do it because I'm in a box. And what I would rather do is I would rather, in fact, I do this frequently. I'll go for a four mile run and I'll stop every mile and do 25 push-ups because I get a workout. I get like a, I get like a strength workout and I get my running workout <laughs> and I'm out in nature being outside. And so when, when, when I'm actively engaged in those two core values, which have so much crossover, there 
all of a sudden the understanding of like, why do you run a hundred miles? Why do you do adventure runs? Why do you do, do all of these, you know, skiing and rock climbing and mountain biking? Well, it's an easy answer. It's because it, it validates the core at my absolute core, who I am as, a, as an individual. So motivation's never an issue for me because it's not what I want to achieve. It's what my body and soul needs to survive. And if it wasn't running, if I couldn't run tomorrow, I would find something else. Mm-hmm. Right. I could row, I could row a boat as long as I'm in nature and I'm staying physically active. That's, that's me. Find what motivates you. Thank you, Craig. I think that was my favorite thing. I mean, first, before I say something funny, that was really good advice. Thank you. And the funny thing is, I loved picturing you doing push-ups in the middle of a run. That was awesome. That was my favorite. Yeah, well, <laughs> that was my it looks a little thing. weird to the other people who are walking dogs <laughs> out there. Or I, w- I did it at the top of a trail. Um, <laughs> I was running a trail in Corner Canyon, a local trail by my house. <laughs> And I stopped and I did 20, I did 25 pushups on top of a picnic table at this trail. <laughs> Two mountain bikers came around the corner and they must've thought I was a complete moron. Were, I mean, they're probably right. So. Yeah. I love that though, because I am the same way. I do not like the gym. I, a lot of people listening to this will probably relate. They want to get outside, um, but that's a great way to get in some strength training. Uh, so that was, that was great advice. Okay. <clears throat> Cool, Craig. Thank you so much for for joining me today, for sharing your stories and and all about your adventure runs. And uh, I learned a lot and uh, hope a lot of y'all learned as well. Um, Also, before we end, if you uh, want to follow Craig, um, I mean, he's he's on the social medias and he also has the uh, Trail and Ultra Running Facebook group. He actually started that facebook group probably i think you said around two hundred fifty thousand members is that right yeah that's amazing so you can you can catch him on there and lots of other awesome outdoor enthusiasts but uh you also have these other social channels do you want to share them or maybe i mean uh, i can look i you know i'm not a, i'm i'm not as uh invested in social media as i used to but if you want to follow me on instagram i'm ultra craig 32 um, and I also I also have a fairly active YouTube channel um, called Trail and Ultra Running. So, and you can see all the antics and lots of adventure runs on there. <laughs> if you want to understand more about adventure running, there will be plenty on that YouTube channel. Well, you best know I'll be on there. Hope you all will too. And thanks again, Craig. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for your time. Happy to be here. Thanks. Hey, Brendan here. I just wanted to thank you for listening to today's episode. As someone new to ultra running myself, I found these conversations to be super valuable and I hope they are for you as well. And if you want to know when the next podcast episode comes out, make sure you subscribe to the show. Also, some exciting news. The Ordinary to Ultra Facebook group is live. This is a great place to meet other 
aspiring new and experienced ultra runners and have any questions you have answered, get some advice, maybe find a running buddy that's local or maybe virtual. And it's just a great place to make connections with other psychos that like to run way too much. <laughs> the link is in the description of this episode if you want to go join that Facebook group and make some awesome connections. And that is all. Thanks again for joining me today, and we'll catch you in the next episode.